This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 131 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, writers, directors, producers, agents, managers, casting directors. And as we've always said, we started this podcast because we're looking for the answers, not because we have them. So if you have anything you'd like to add, your uh, your two cents, your questions, Please feel free to get in contact with us. They, uh, there's a bunch of different ways of doing that, and you can start at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on today's episode, we have the third and final part of our chat with actor James Dumont, and uh, can't wait to bring you guys more of this. This third part of his interview, uh, we, you know, Cesar just said to us, he said, guys, this is so good, I, I really can't cut a lot, so... Uh, it's a longer interview, so we're going to be kind of shrinking down the bookend sections and just letting uh, letting uh, ourselves kind of soak in, in James's uh, <laughs> wisdom. Soak in his glory. This is weird already. Yeah, uh, it's so going downhill. Quickly. <laughs> stick, stick around for that. You know, I was thinking sometimes we we do get patrons or, or listeners who who let us know that they they enjoy the interview parts the best and that they would prefer you know entire episodes of that. So those people, to those people, I say you're welcome. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. Um, so so yeah, we are short on time uh, yeah. this episode, and Sweet. quick and dirty. You have some awesome news. Uh, I do, I do. Yesterday, the offer for Heather's came through. Um, as I have mentioned on the podcast before, it is going to Off-Broadway, and uh, they offered uh, uh, me uh, the same role as before and uh, covering three of the principal um the other principal characters. So. so you will have guaranteed <clears throat> nights where you are playing a principal character. I don't know if it's guaranteed. If it's under, I, I don't know if it's a swing or an understudy. Um, I need to get clarity on that. I think it's an understudy, which means I don't have guaranteed um, performances. But uh, you know, I have no doubt that this show is going to extend uh, for a long time and, and likely get moved to Broadway. So it was really funny. I was talking to. Our buddy Ryan, who's Ryan Basham, yeah, he. I was talking to him about it, being that he's a, a life coach, and I was getting some coaching from him, and uh, we we did this whole like vision thing, and he was like, you know, who knows, somebody could drop out, and you could take on their role, and they could move to Broadway, and you know, you could be in that role when it moves to Broadway, and then you could be nominated for a Tony, and you could do a performance at the Tony Awards, which features you heavily, like all this stuff. I'm like, mm. yes, these are all possibilities. So is falling flat on our face and, uh, and closing early. But um, I, I don't think it will. It's a fantastic show. There's been an interesting sort of 24-hour journey. I, I've been in this space of, of being 100% committed should the offer come through. And then the offer came through and I had a conversation with my manager and then I was back on the fence being like 50-50, considering a lot of different factors and considerations uh, uh, as far as my career here, my career there, I think I'm back on to about 98%, you know, committed to, 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 to going. Yeah. Is that like 98 degrees? <laughs> what? No. Oh God. Why? Why would you mention that? <laughs> this is really exciting, man. I mean, this is a, uh, this is a big, we talked about just before we started recording here, we talked about some of the pros and cons and 
you know, how, how some people could view this as something that maybe is not a great offer for you, but some people might be like, you know what, dude, life is an adventure. If you go, you've said yes. And there's a lot of things that could happen there as well. So, so this is something that I'm really excited to chat about next episode. We're going to squeeze in one more episode before you leave. Mm Mm-hmm. In we person, should, live, should, yeah. face-to-face, and then after that, we're going to figure out some sort of remote recording uh, setup. Yeah, Trevor and I have, have tested some remote, well, long-time listeners have heard us <laughs> testing some of those, um, and we're going to uh, come up with a with a super high-quality version of the ones that we've already uh, tried out. And if anything, it's just going to expand our horizons a bit because... You know, I will have access to a whole new group of people, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the New York scene. Um, I'll be learning a lot about that market. Um, and I know we have listeners who are not only from there, but uh, who have questions about there. And yeah. I'm yeah. obviously going to be very hungry for knowledge and connections and, and all of that. I think the original contract between the creatives and the theater was like through September or something like that. But wow. it, I mean, it doesn't, it, I think the, I think the offer to us as actors is actually open-ended. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, I have no, it's such a good show. I have no doubt that it'll extend. I have no doubt that, uh, it'll move to Broadway at some point. And, uh, you know, Larry O'Keefe was, uh, nominated for a Tony for, for, um, legally blonde and you know that was just one that was i think that was the only tony nom that that legally blonde got if i remember correctly that one of the actresses might have been nominated but it's such a a a fun show that i also i really do think that if we move to broadway we will definitely be performing at the tonys like it's just a silly fun like ridiculous Mm -hmm. show the songs are hilarious and it'd be so easy to compartmentalize one song mm-hmm. and put it on stage and, 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 and have it make sense and have people get it. It, w- it wouldn't be a stretch to, to, to get it. So, yeah. Well, what a fun plot twist for, uh, for, <laughs> there's for been many, there's been many, wait till next, wait till next week, <laughs> next episode. Holy crap. It's going to, when I tell you about the last five days, people, and really like the last, at this point, 18 hours, especially <laughs> for you. Yes. Yeah. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a ride. It's been a yeah. bit of a ride. So cool, man. So let's jump into our part three with, uh, with James. He really gets into, if I remember correctly, the, the, the craft of it all, you know, I think he may have mentioned it in the second part, but it's just, you know, one of my favorite things about what he talked about was just get better. Yeah. Just get better. Like it doesn't matter. You're booking, you're not booking, you're in a minor market, you're in a major market, have your commitment be to get better as an actor. And that really spoke to me. So, yeah. Amen. So here you go, guys. Enjoy. We'll catch you on the flip side. One of the things was auditioning was not my deal. So I, a friend of mine named Wayne Duvall was in uh, Oh Brother, Where For Out Thou? And Prisoners, a real great character actor, uh, had sent an email out saying that this guy Tim Phillips out of New York was coming to L.A. Yeah, let's talk about Tim. Yeah. yeah. And so I uh, pulled him up on IMDb. I was like, there's nothing. Who is this guy? There's nothing yeah. here. He's like uh, the light ship. I mean, uh, you know, he did one movie with Duvall like you know, 20 years ago. I was like, I never. I was in New York. I never heard of this dude. Yeah. And just, just for listeners who yeah. may not be who may have missed that episode or something. Tim Phillips is the, uh, the workshop that AJ and I went to that, uh, listener Dana Schaff recommended. Um, he's the guy who kind of created the Sherlock Holmes in the yeah. text kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, CSI and scripts just basically yeah. every little period out. And he's absolutely correct on that. When I yeah. get these gigs now, the writers are like, nobody got that. That's why you're here. No one got that. I wrote it two thirty in the morning. Didn't think anybody would figure it out. You walk in the room, 30 actors, no one got what you got. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's on the page. He goes, yes, exactly. He's <laughs> <laughs> a writer showrunner, by the way. You know what I mean? Like they right. honor their words. You know, it's not cool. like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to want to bring all my stuff to this. And I'm like, it's not on the page. Mm. <laughs> so long story short is that Wayne turned me on to Tim. I went to a class of his and, and uh, I think I went to a lecture. I think I went to the Sherlock Holmesing lecture. 
And literally, no joke, my head hurt because I was like, there's so much I don't know. Mm. Like, I know mm-hmm. how to act. I mean, I know how to, you know, like, I, even if with scene work, I know how to break scenes down. I was like, but there's so much I don't know about auditioning. There's so much I didn't know. And the things he was saying, I was like, they seem so simple. But I was like, why am I not doing that? Or why haven't I done that years ago? Like, I just keeping it simple. You know, like one emotion to start the scene or, you know, or, or a cliche, like, you know, a physical action, like what the fuck, you know, like that's the thing that kicks, that kicks off the scene and you don't even have to say it. It's just your body language. You start and all the chit chat stuff. I come in now and I don't want any chit chat. I want to come to work. We'll chit chat after. Let me do my work first. And they see that I'm coming in ready to work, which tells you I'm an actor who's coming in to ready work. When you get me on the set, I'm ready to work. We can bullshit later at the craft services, but I'm, I'm coming to work. Right. And so there were things that I was doing wow. that were detrimental, that were not – that were trying to please <clears throat> them and trying to show them that I, how great I am or how talented I am. And it was, that was like so wrong. It was, just, it was just the wrong way to go about it. And that's where I was like, wow, I looked back at all these opportunities that I had getting in front of like you know, uh, certain casting directors and certain, you know, certain directors and stuff. And they must have looked at me like, what are you doing? I didn't write that at all. Because my thing was like, oh, let me show you my interpretation. I'm going to bring my, my spin on this that no one's going to do. And it's not even – it was not even remotely close to what we, it was like. Yeah, the, cool, thanks. That was you know, very interesting, good read. I hear a lot of that. And I was mm-hmm. like you – know, and I'm like, I'm getting great feedback. My agent's like, feedback doesn't pay the rent, and feedback is – the best feedback is you got the job right. or avails. You know, that's, as good as, that's the feedback I'm looking for. So wow. you need to get over yourself. So at a certain point, I went into Tim, and I just was like, there was so much I didn't know. Hmm. And the hard part with guys, women are much more readily – they admit when they don't know something. Not to other guys, but to themselves. They go, oh, God, there's – you know, they seem to really – at least what I've been watching with Tim's classes, the women just jump on – when someone teaches them something, they want to. They want to. They have thirst for more. The guys come kicking and screaming, admitting they don't know something. Mm-hmm. It's just a guy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. you know, you and a guy with another guy. It's like I watch so much people trying to, you know. So I was and I was fighting that. I was like, he was saying these things. I was yeah, but my experience. And he goes, your experience. I've been doing this thirty years, forty five auditions. Your experience, really? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you what I see. I don't, I'm not. I'm not trying to question you. So there was a little bit of like this reluctantly coming to realize. There's so much I don't know right. about auditioning, right. about the craft of it. And it is a craft. There's no two ways about it. Anyone that says it's a formula, it, no, there's a, it's a craft. It's something that you, you acquire and you get better at. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting very good at it, especially on camera. And so working with Tim, I kind of like my mind kind of you know blew my mind. And you know Tim talks about Larry Moss. And I have mutual friends, many friends that work with Larry. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to just drop down and I'm going to do a workshop and I'm going to just dive in. I'm going to do – I was working with Tim, so I get to understand a little bit of the language. I, I know Meisner, so I'm, I'm in the ballpark. And so then I'm going to jump into to, to Larry's class. And, and it was an amazing experience. I mean, like you're, you know, you're learning a County Clare Irish accent. You're fully script you – know, you're fully off book for 12 to 15 pages, full props, ready to go. And I failed. And Larry kind of very quickly got – you know, it was like going in front of an x-ray. He's like, you know, you see, the thing that we have here is this, this thing doesn't go to the, you know, like he just says, you know, you do this thing where you go, where you lean in and kind of whisper, you know, because you think that's intense. <laughs> that's bad, shitty soap opera acting. Wow. Don't ever do it. And they go, yeah, but I get a lot of, yeah, you get a lot of TV work by taking pauses because you think it's cool. <laughs> it's shitty. It's bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, don't do it in front of me. Do what you need to do to get a job, but that's shitty acting. So stop it. Because wow. your intention is 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 the focus is on you, and it's not about what you want, and it's not about what you're trying to get them to understand. It's not about that at all. It's about you going. It's an ego. So drop it. I don't need any of that shit in my class. And I was just like, you know. And then I just sat down for the next couple of days and spent. I don't know, 15, 20 pages of notes, listening to him talk to other people about, you know, that's your Achilles heel. I was like, Achilles heel. That's the thing. That's why you're never going to be great. The thing that you're creating for yourself, who, who has to die for you to be happy and successful? Get over whatever psychological thing you have with your mother or father because th- you're doing things that are sabotaging your career and you have to stop it. That's your Achilles heel. Get over it. And wow. I'm like sitting there like, you know, <laughs> you know, and he's like preparation, opportunity, you know, preparation, 
dedication, complete, you know, what is it? It's been a while since I looked at it. There was like three that he had. He's like, uh, I can't think what it was. It was something dedication and completion. But it was like, you know, three, there was three things of like, you're not doing these things, you uh-huh. know, uh, preparation, preparation, opportunity, completion, something along those lines. But it was like, there was, there was so many things that I was not doing and there were so many things that I didn't know. And so then I really jumped into Larry's class. And then the second time out, I really just like, I was walking on a wire. I had no idea what any of my lines were. I didn't know where I was. All I knew was this person was in front of me and there was these things that I had to say to them. And it was like, you know, there was no, no plotting or planning or trying to show anything. And I was like, wow, I'm truly, truly in this moment here. I'm like really, really immersed in this world so much that I feel like I don't know anything. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to say next, but somehow all the words and all the county clerics and everything came out perfect. Mm. Came out fine because I had to say something and I never leaned in a whisper to say it. Mm-hmm. I really had to fucking say it to him. And it was like, wow, I'm really, this is what being alive in the, you know, in the moment is. And what I was doing was not that. Right. And so then I, then I said, okay, now this is time to retool. And in that time period, you know, nothing was happening. The Writers Guild strike was, was merging, was starting to happen. The Writers Guild were definitely going to strike. SAG was going to try to hold its own at that particular point in time. And I was like, you know what? The Writers Guild strike, they were starting to cast names because they knew the Writers Guild strike was coming, so they wanted to have the advertising revenue going in. So almost every single guest star was off or out six months before the strike even I happened. I remember that. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That's the first thing. Second thing is, is you know, Alan Rosenberg's like, you know what? We're going to hold strong. We're not going to let... And then after it comes in and does their deal. It all the, the contracts. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was like... And I was like, you know, they're going to fuck this one up. I got a feeling they're going to fuck this one up. And at that point in time, I couldn't get arrested in LA. And my wife and I, she's from Louisiana, and my wife and I were like, you know, we should go back to Louisiana. You know, get in a smaller community, be in a smaller market, give that a shot. My friend Lewis Hertham, who was in uh, um, recurring on um, on True Blood, uh, I ran into him at Christmas time around '07, and he, uh, because of the tax credits that were happening in Louisiana, he's like, you know, I was like, he goes, I did, uh, well, I booked 14 movies, but I could only do 12 last year. <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, yeah, well, the crowd is one a month. They don't really know? work out the they don't really work out conflicts here, so I had to give up. A lead in an independent to do Benjamin Buttons. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great problem, dude. I'd like to have that problem. So I really decided that I would, you know, because we were thinking about moving and nothing was really kind of happening here. And I had a feeling, as I was correct, was the Writers Guild strike would go the full 90 days. And it did by 91. Yeah. Actors were figuring they're going to hold out on the 2000, fall of 2008. It's like the entire financial world went nuts. But the actors are going to hold out to get a better deal. Yeah, it was just it was a wrong time, wrong place, wrong circumstances, and so I just was like, you know, let's I'm planning. Let me let me just give it a year, give it a shot in Louisiana, see what happens. I go down there, I meet everybody, I start to you know audition, uh, and uh, it just kind of blows up at that point in the, in the mm. in the best way possible, which is becomes because of the opportunity being in a smaller marketplace, the competitive competition was a little bit less for me. But the reality is, is I also got more variety of roles that I could do, mm-hmm. you know, whereas here there's that guy that does the New York guy. That's the guy that does New York. That's all he does. He does New York. You know, there's the Boston guy, you know, or there's the cop or there's this guy, you know, they have 10 guys that, <laughs> that down there. It's like, I could do New York. I could do Boston. I could Chicago. I like, I could do, I had more of a variety, you know, in a smaller marketplace, I was able to kind of, uh, creatively do things. I was a, the yeah. took over for John Goodman as a lead in the movie where I'm the governor of Louisiana. I mean, when does that get, I mean, not a great movie, but you know, when does that happen? When is you, when are you doing 112 scenes and you're working with Erica, Ro- Eric Roberts and Billy Zane and, and you're the governor who's, you know, have prostitutes and you're dodging bullets. And I mean, when do you get to do that? Yeah. And yeah. that's where, that's where, that's where, you know, I kind of, the, the point that I'm trying to get to is that, you know, LA is the Super Bowl. Everybody is talented here. Sorry. Everybody is talented here. And there's guys that just do certain things and that's what they do. But there's like 20 or 30 of them that's the, that are working all the time. And then there's another 200 that I want to get to that particular point. So my, my biggest advice and guidance to people who are planning to come here, if you're here, you're here. Just figure it out. You, you know, th- there's still work to be had here. Don't get me wrong. But the point is, 
the people that I've seen that have been most successful have they've maxed out those marketplaces. They've maxed out every law and order you could possibly do in New York. Mm. They're up in Seattle and they're you know they're doing every theater production up there. You know they're doing every TV in Portland they can. If you're in Chicago, you're doing both the Chicago fires and you're doing Chicago police. You know what I mean? Max out that marketplace. Louisiana, the same thing. It's like do if you're the guy that's in every other film, then you come here and you got what twenty, thirty movies under your belt, TV shows. You got a full reel. You can come in at a particular level that that I believe will get you further. The hard part is I haven't seen the business has changed so drastically since I've been in it, where. Not a lot of people want to take on development. They don't know nobody wants to develop you. They all want to just capitalize and make the big money. So either you, either they throw you to the wolves, or you make your big money quick, and then, or you're just a Pilates instructor. Hmm. I've seen it happen. Yeah, you know. So it's like, but if you come here armed with like tons of theater experience, uh, lots of you know a real heavy resume, an incredible reel. I've seen people do much greater. My friend James Abair came out here, and it's like he had four. Bought six movies under his belt, and he came out and was like, "Boom! He's already he's on Mob City. It's like he's already, he's coming in. You know, he's got agents and managers that are at a particular level. You know, yeah. As opposed to kind of you know coming here and starting from kind of stretch. I think that that's it, that's what's different mm-hmm. is that it's very hard to kind of build a career here uh, when you don't have a lot of experience or you know coming from another place. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you're from here, that's different. You know, you're from here. But if you look at the people who you know, for every one person that like made it in their twenties with very little experience, there's ten thousand that are baristas, you know, Pilates yep. instructors, and yep. you know, personal trainers, and they're and that's fantastic. Everybody needs to do that. It's just that this is a very tough place, and it's a it's a tougher business in that regard. So, mm-hmm. why I say is that's why I say to you know younger actors do everything. Have so much experience that it's undeniable and have your skills so sharp that you can compete on the biggest level. Because it is true. They still are throwing fairly inexperienced people onto television shows. But most of them, if you look at it, they're coming from some of the Ivy League. They're coming from some of the conservatory schools in Yale and Juilliard. You got to like, you know, Australians are coming over. The Brits are coming over. It's like there's always going to be competition. So if you just keep your goal simple of I just need to get better. I just should I should be doing three things a day to become a better actor, whether it's going to, uh, you know, Alexander class or voice class or going to see a movie or or, or reading artist way or reading, you know, the Tim's scripts. book or yeah. a script or, yeah. you know, if I'm doing three things a day that is really moving my career forward, you know, getting better, then you're going to be fine because that does pay off over the time. You know, yeah. that's what I've learned. But, you know, the other thing, too, is being in a smaller marketplace sometimes and really maxing out that marketplace gives you a lot of opportunities to really, really, you know, hone your audition skills. And then now with things happening in Atlanta and North Carolina, now there'll be more pilots that are going to be going to the East Coast. It's all about tax credits. That's a business thing. It has nothing to do with states or talent or anything like that. It's about it's a pure business thing. I'm going to give you 30 cents for every dollar you spend in my mm-hmm. state. It's yeah. business. It has nothing to do with anything other than that. Yeah. But so that so that's what, you know, same thing happened in Canada in the mid 90s. It's like everything went up to Canada because the dollar was better. That you know what I mean? So they're always going to make those business decisions with the actor doesn't have any control over. Right. But go to a marketplace in which that you can really really grow and maximize. And they are in Boston and Chicago and Seattle and New Orleans and Atlanta. Those are places you really can cut your teeth and really build up a great deal of experience. And then you got some money and then you got some reels and then you can go to New York or LA. You know what I mean? When you come here, you're, you're coming here to a particular level. You know, the, 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 the playing field's a little bit different. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can come in at a higher level, but the reality, what you don't want to do is you don't want to get here prematurely in front of a major casting director, which I've made the mistake. Getting in front of a big casting director prematurely and they go too green, right? And then for two, three years, two, three years. Uh, I haven't seen Juliet Taylor in fifteen years. Wow! wow. But I got in front of her because I had these great reviews in the New York Times. Uh-huh. I got in front of her way before I knew what the hell I was doing. Yeah. So I mean, she kept bringing me in for a couple of things, but then after the last thing, I was just I'm, you're. If they're looking at everybody's reading the same material, it's you know ten to twelve people. They know whether you did your work or not. Yeah. It, it's so it, it's like it's X-ray. It's so it's so incredibly clear. So the importance of and why I I will constantly honor Tim Phillips is the, that all that you know needs to be applicable in the audition. 
It has to be. You have to try to bring all that you know, and that's the hardest thing to do. So you have to find a way in which to become clear and specific very, very – and also sometimes work very quickly. Material was handed me. If I look at War of the Worlds, if I look at – you know, those scripts weren't given to me. I was given the material 15 minutes before, hmm. auditioning for three different roles. So I had to, I had to pick up you know, an objective and a point of view and a cliche. I had to pick certain things you know, uh, so quickly and so you – know, I had to break things down so fast that it was like that's how I ended up getting one of the three roles I auditioned for. And when I'm in Louisiana, the volume of auditions that are there, or even for me, I'll, I'll conservatively do two to three online auditions a week. So I'll get material and I'll have to break them down, totally memorize them, go over and shoot it, and ed- have it edited down and back within 48 hours. Wow. Just so I have to like drop everything. Idiot. I got two kids. I got, you know, I, like, you know I'm a busy dude and, and right. I have auditions, but it's like I have to drop everything to make those deadlines in order to get right. it. Just but using your you, camera phone or, or? No, I actually go to, I actually go to people. I, oh, okay. for, I know people like to do it. I, I For me, um, I go to a woman named Taylor Loeb who does great stuff. I go to a guy, Joe Kell in the Valley. They shoot beautiful quality auditions. They give great kind of feedback like, oh, your eyeline, follow your eyeline here and then talk to this person, you know, like right. little That's things cool. like that. But, you know, the what I get working with Tim to get things where I need to go, and then working with those people on camera, yes, it is not it's not cheap. It adds up after a while. But the reality is, if I'm just focusing in on the work, I let them do the technical stuff. And also, I've found when I'm doing even voiceovers, it's like if I listen to it two three times, or I'm watching, I kind of like, oh, maybe I should do this again, do another take. It like takes two three hours to do like a thirty second spot. So I've learned that I need to leave the, to certain folks that I should just focus in on the quality and the caliber of my work and let the other technical elements and second-guessing things and takes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've learned. That's the way I'm working. Everybody can do it differently. I know you know, it's, it can be expensive to do $40 you know, two, three times a week you know, to do auditions. But I, to me, I just don't want to be bothered with any of those things. I want to come and do the work I need to do and leave yeah. and not have to think about, oh, I've got to download this and which take is the best? What do you think? Do you think that's a better take? Right. I, mean, I thought it was really more focused on the. It's like none of that crap. I don't. I don't want to bother with that. And so now, you know, if I look at the last five years, it's like thirty jobs in five years. You know, recurring on Treme, recurring yeah. on American Horror Story. It's like Nashville. I just did Ravenswood. It was on last night. The Butler, Dallas Buyers Club. You know, three different you know WWE films where there was fun roles, leads, and some features. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of kind of came out of that. But but at the germ of it, came back to that my friend Phil Austin simple thing of I just need to get better. Mm. You know, and going keeping it simple that way, and going with Tim's philosophy is who do I get a chance to be? The only reason to go to the audition is who do I get a chance to be? That's why you became an actor. I get to be that guy. I get to be in his skin for the next fifteen minutes. This is my take on the guy. And now these days I come in and go, this is my, based on the material you gave me and I broke it down as best I can and just sucked in everything you gave me, this is my guy. And sometimes they'll give me some terrible, poor direction and I'm like, I don't even know if I want to do this job. (laughs) Because your guy is a typical, boring, stupid, that's, that's the guy that leads to the commercial break. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. I'm a far more interesting actor than this. That's the mentality. And I'm we giving take, you this. Yeah. We, and we, so here it is. You're chasing it so long, but all of a sudden you're kind of going, well, no, this is my take on it. As yeah. opposed to waiting for them to value. It's like, no, no, this is what I'm going to do. And if you want me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in. I'm totally prepared. I'm off book. I'm ready to go. I got ideas. I'm willing to listen to anything you have to say. I'd like to, I love when they give me direction. That's like my favorite thing. It's because I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm going. I can easily take your direction. But if I'm coming there half cocked and I don't know the words and I'm, it's not in my body and I'm not, I don't know who this person is and I haven't brought myself to it, how mm-hmm. are you ever going to get a gig? And so I, 90% of the time when I come in there, I go, this is what I'm going to do. And I love, and I'm totally open to whatever happens. For my example with uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, let's talk about that. Jean-Marc is, is a very, very tough, specific Canadian, French-Canadian director of which a word, a pause, a breath. He's like, ah, that's too much, too much. Put back less, less. You know, wait, wait, wait. So I, I went into my, my uh, callback for Dallas Buyers Club for the father, uh, Jared uh, playing Rayon's father. And uh, I had to catch a – I was working on Treme and I had to catch a plane. So the cast director was kind enough to put me in the first spot, but there was a lot of people there. So I felt 
It's a little weird, but I was like, I'm catching the plane. So I went in and uh, he had seen my audition. Now, that's the other thing. I went to Taylor Loeb and I, I shot my audition and we really fine-tuned it. And we made him so... Um, even though it was clear, uh, for those who've seen the movie, even though it was clear that th- these are two totally different people and strangers of which uh, they don't agree. You know, it's a lifestyle. You know, this is my son who's made this lifestyle choice, you know, of being gay. You know, it's like, right, right. I, I, and gay and uh, wants to be a woman. It's like, I, this is so foreign to me. But he said everybody was playing the point of, she said that everybody was playing the point of view that it's not their son. It that they just, it's... Uh, you know, a lot of guys from the South were just like, I don't understand who this person is, you know? Mm. And then behind all that, you know, I work with Tim and Taylor and they were, you know, I call it my TNT, uh. <laughs> Tim and Taylor. And they were like, it's still your son. It's your, it's your boy. Mm. It's your, it's your, you know, I have to see, I have to bring that there's love behind it all. Yeah. Cause Tim's thing is like, the scenes are about love or power because this scene's about love. Even though it's a power scene, there's love here. You know, you st- it's still your it's still your mm-hmm. flesh and blood, but there's all these little layers and stuff in there. So, I came in and and I mean we did it like we were in there for like 20 minutes. It's just it's not a not a long scene, and we did it eight million ways to sundown. He's like, yeah, slow that down, but bring this, and then the, towards the end, do the. I mean, it was like fine tuning. But had I not been so crafted in what I did and where I'm at, he saw, oh, I could give this guy direction. He can do anything. And that's what he really needed is he needed to be able to do it many different ways. And he wasn't sure exactly how, what the end product was going to be. And then when it came to the experience of getting the job, then I, I came on set and I'm sitting in the makeup trailer and just literally two, two makeup mirrors away from me is, is Jared. And I never talked to him or met him. Usually I introduce myself and I say, I'm James Dumont. Nice to meet you. And I introduce myself in the trailer or I meet them, you know, once we shoot the scene and I stopped for a moment and I was like, no, I don't know him. I've, I haven't seen him in so long. We're, we're total strangers to each other. I don't agree with who he is and what he stands for and his lifestyle choice. And he had music, you know, headphones on. He was listening to music. He was getting out of drag, out of makeup, you know, putting on the, the pock marks, you know, for the sores and stuff like that. And I go, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to fucking talk to this guy at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to look at him. He saw me out of the corner of his eye a couple of times and I saw him and we both looked away. Wow. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to say anything to him. It was just this, this is just the choice that I kind of made. And I think it was pretty clear he was in his world. And, uh, so I, then when we got on set, there's a whole thing where I kind of, uh, have him come up to my office. I don't want anybody else to see. I never looked him in the eye the entire time of that scene. And then when we got upstairs, that scene didn't make it into the film, did it? I don't think I saw uh, yeah, that it did. It did. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of bring him up. It's real quick. Oh, okay. It's a quick okay. little thing where he's sitting at the oh, bank. Oh, right, right. Yeah. He's sitting okay. alone in the bank. Cause he's the first time you see him in, in like, suit, the suit. Yeah. And he's just kind of sitting there very alone. And you know, and then yeah. I kind of come down the stairs and I just kind of give him a little once over, like get upstairs. Right. I never looked him in the eye and then, and I never introduced myself. And then he was alone on the side. And then John Mark does this cool thing, which is great for a director. He had these, uh, uh, there's no uh, lighting setup, so there's no. It's all natural light, so there's no. We're not waiting for lighting to be set up, which is huge. You can work very, very quickly. I'd love to try to do that again. And so there were these poles, there was light poles, but there were speakers on them. And he was playing this kind of melodic, kind of um, almost like a French jazz music, but a very uh, mood oriented. It made you feel uh, relaxed, but there was something uh, uh, afoot. You know, there was something about the uh, eeriness of the music. Like a film noir kind of sound. It was a weird thing. And, and the music's playing. I mean, it's playing while everybody's doing their little thing and makeup things and things like that. And I sit down in the chair and he gives me some glasses and uh, he has a little side conversation and, and lays down. Now, I do research and homework. I saw I, I, I did a lot of stuff about that time period. But he laid down some great stuff to me about uh, insurance policies. He said, at that point in time, and I knew this because I had friends who were dying of AIDS, you know, who were at or HIV positive rather uh, at that time. They were people were selling these insurance, the, the family insurance policies for pennies on the dollar. And it was very common in the seventies for your child is born and you get a Gerber life, you know, thing on your kid. You just get an insurance policy on your kid and you use it for college later. Hmm. Well, uh, Rayon didn't stick around for college. He was gone before that. I kicked him out before that. It's where I kind of had in my head. And so I've paid into this insurance policy of which could probably be pretty substantial. 
if you think about it, 10, 20 years paying into a policy at that particular period of time. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, a lot of these people got went to their families to get their insurance policies back in order to pay for the drugs to survive for the cocktail or rent or just to live. He says, so they sell them for pennies on a dollar. That was the other thing. They, you know, so there were so there were people who were brokering these things during the AIDS crisis. So awful people profiting Jeez. from it. It was really disgusting. So he's giving me this background thing, and then he goes, you know, you can actually, you can actually profit from his demise. The director said this to you, and you've paid into this policy. Wow! And you don't agree with who he is and what he does, and he comes to you asking for the money that you've paid into this policy and telling you he's dying of an incurable disease. He says, you could, you can cash in. Wow. And he walks away. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, dude. I like, and then he walks over to Jared and he has some intense conversation with Jared. And then he walks over and he says to both of us, and we don't look at each other. He said, Jared, I want you to explore the space. And these are photographs. What's cool is that there's photographs in, the, in, the, in my office, which are of my daughter and my wife and I. So there's this new family that we have that he's not part of. Mm. That, you know, that, he's, that we've moved on. We've moved on with our life. He says, it doesn't, I don't make the, didn't make the cut. It's like, yeah, of course. Who the fuck are you? Are you like, you're a stranger to me. I don't know. you. These are pictures of my kids and my daughter, right, right. of which you're not part of. Yeah. So he gave him the opportunity to explore my space, which he's, this is my office. You're looking at pictures of my kids. It doesn't make me necessarily very comfortable and warm and welcoming to you either. Yeah. And so then Jared says, I'm not going to call action. I'm just going to push the cameraman in. He, he'll work around you guys. You start whenever you want to start. We never rehearsed it. We shot the rehearsal. He walks away. He pushed the camera guy behind his back. Jared starts exploring the space. I'm cleaning my glasses. Scene starts. And he goes, that was great. And I said nothing to Jared. He walks over, says something. The director says something to me, something to Jared. He goes, let's go. Let's do another one. Let's do another way. We did it like 20 different ways. And some of them were, I'm crying, he's crying. He goes, now, he goes, we got what we want. He goes, now I want you guys to improv, make up stuff. How's mom? You know, Mm. you're a disappointment to me. Mm. You've been dead to me since the minute you walked out the door. He goes, of course you have AIDS. You deserve it. You should die. He goes, I'm not giving you a dime. I said, finally, you walk in. I mean, like these, these, these things that we say to each other, which were just so painful. And then we go the whole other way. It's like my boy. Right. It's like Raymond. I miss you, son. And he starts bawling. I'm bawling. I mean, like literally we just, you know, we just left it all. I mean, I was so fucking spent by the time we were done. And then we get up to leave and then we look at each other and he's like, he's like, who are you? Jared goes, who are you? And I was like, who are you? you We finally had this moment of like, what the fuck? Like, where did you, you know, he doesn't know. He's thinking like, oh, you guy, probably local actor. He's doing, you know, community theater or something. Like he had no fucking idea. Like, you know, that I was, that I'm, I'm throwing down the gauntlet here. Right. And I didn't know him, you know, so he's throwing down the gauntlet and we walk over and there's just people just, Distraught, and they were looking at the monitor, and there's people crying and like handing out tick. I mean, we just fucking just we just blood on the floor. Mm. I mean, we just did fucking laid it down, you know. And he was feeling like he said later on, he said when he did that scene, he felt like he was going to be fired the minute he did the first scene. Like, okay, let's replace this guy because he fucking sucks. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That first take was fucking magic because you didn't know what I was going to say. I don't know you. You don't know me. I mean, it was just like, it was this incredible circumstance. And then now we've become friends and he's invited me to 30 Seconds to Mars at the Bowl. You know, I go to the scene of the Chateau and, you know, everybody's talked about the scenes, the scene, the scene, you know, Jennifer Garner's like, that's my favorite scene in the movie. I was like, that scene is fucking hard. It's this, it's a, it's the quintessential him and his most more. And they're talking about that's for, they're submitting that for his Oscar contention. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like, that's, it's like moving in that direction. But then the fun part is I see him at the Chateau and the party and he's like, he could, how great was that? I mean, we're like two kids. Like that was, I mean, it was ma- and like, he hugs me and he's like, it was magic. He's my, my dad's here, you know? And I didn't realize like he hasn't been estranged from his real father, which is a whole other, yeah, it's a yeah. whole other, he got a whole, he's, he personally's got a whole other thing going on. And I'm just like, I, I kept thinking, oh my God, I'm way too young to be your dad, <laughs> you know? But I'm like, but I'm your dad, you know, like, but I'm your artistic dad, you know, like we're, you know what I mean? And the fact that, 
and he hasn't seen the movie. That's the other kicker. Yeah, he doesn't watch. He's his been own so movies, yeah. generous to me and kind. I mean, he's been cool that way. But then I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's being over, you know, extending himself to me, actor to act, artist to artist, on the work, on the pure work that the magic that we did together then, not the final product. Hmm. And he's also hearing all these amazing things from other people, which makes him even cooler. You know what I mean? He's already like badass, you know, rock star and amazingly talented but it was just like uh so that was my kind of you know that and it's to this day every time we see each other it's like you know it's like we have that thing it's our thing That's you know so it's cool. beyond beyond a intimate kind of you know sex scene it's like it's 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 the p- two raw you know men pure you know in in, in a most uh you know, stack the deck situation, you know, yeah. and then we did the fact that we did it at eight million, million ways to Sunday. I mean, I was like, oh, please, DVD, please put in those deleted scenes because, like, some of that stuff was just painful. It was just, yeah. and then at the end of the day, I was, you know, like, no one, people were like, oh my God, you know, like they were, they, they wanted to leave us alone, you know, like once uh, uh, Shannon, who is uh, uh, Jared's brother, was just like, I didn't know what to say to you, dude. Like you're, you're like, you're God. <laughs> like, you know, you guys walked away from that thing. Like, you know, we, what do we say to like brilliance, you know? And I was like, wow. Like, and literally I, and I had was a new, new to Twitter and I got on and I was like, let me tell you something. I've spent, you know, three seasons at that point working opposite Melissa Leo. So I know what an Oscar winner works like. I know how they work. Yeah. And now I'm understanding the, how I fit into that mix of like, well, dude, it's just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, it's just a matter of time because now I know what's expected and I know the caliber of commitment that people do. And I and and Tim has taught me to come uh, that he learned from Duvall, which is come with a sense of play. Like if you do all your homework, then you can let your homework go when you get on the set, and you right. can literally just as we did in Mer- Larry's class, just be there and be present and open to whatever's going on. But if you don't do that work at home, you can't come with a sense of play. You're coming with a sense of like, well. Where's what my desk going to be like? And, you know, like, oh, this costume's really tight, you know. Right. What do I do with my hands? Yeah, Am I sitting and standing? Hands, you know, like, none yeah. of that. None of that. You're, 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 if you come with a sense of play, that's what the best do. That's what the best do. Pacino, same thing. Like, you know, we have a scene that never ended up in Ocean's 13. It was like, he came in the room. He walks behind me with his tuxedo and things. And it's, you know, I'm like, it's Pacino, you know. And then I was like, dude. It's fucking Pacino. You're an actor. Bring your stuff. It's like, you know, I got over that thing for like yeah. 30 seconds. And then it's like, he's coming to play. He wants to figure out the room. He wants to figure out the stuff. He's going to come over and talk to you, which is not scripted or anything. It's like, be ready for anything. You know, mm-hmm. be ready for that. And so that 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 was that was my experience with Dallas Buyers Club. And very similar with The Butler, too. So coming in with Lee Daniels is like, I auditioned for um, the movie previous to, uh, to The Butler. Um that Lee did. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I think Matthew McConaughey was in that movie as well. But whatever the case is, I was a second choice for the for the for his movie, and I was far too young to be John Cusack's uncle. Here we go again. <laughs> like Cusack and I are two years apart. Like you know, Jared and I are four years apart. It's like it's, what is this? So I, I when I went in to meet with Lee, he was in pajamas because he was doing locations and stuff, and he takes naps and things. So you're, it's a little disconcerting to be auditioned with a guy who's in pajamas. And he's like, oh, no, he was your second choice for the thing. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember who you are. And the first time I had met Lee in the, in the, in the audition for this other film, it was like I was not – I was ready, prepared to do this whole scene. But in the back of my head, I kept thinking, I'm too young for this thing. I'm too young for this thing. I was like doing that stupid little interactor voice thing that was not – but I still did good work. But it was like he then said all these amazing kind of different things – and I wasn't ready. F- I was not ready for whatever was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I was thrown by comments. I was thrown by his uh, straightforwardness, or I was thrown by c- certain things. I was just thrown by, and it and it interrupted the way that I worked. And I ha- had I not had I not been so thrown, I think I might have gotten the role. But then when I went in for the Butler, I was like, oh no, I'm not letting that happen again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Lee Daniels can get up on the table and he can take a shit on this floor, this table and I will I'm not going to let that interrupt my work. Hmm. You know like he can he can set himself on fire right now and it wouldn't matter to me cuz I'm like I I'm ready. I'm I'm coming to play. I'm ready to work. And so that's one of the things that like even in the audition 
I'm still coming in with a sense of like, this is, this is an exploration. We're ready to kind of do this, you know? And so from that, you know, Lee gave me directions last, less and pulled it back and pulled it. And then he finally got exactly what he wants. He's like, look, there's a lot of famous people in this movie. And he's like, I can't really guarantee. And I was like, well, seems like you got a lot of famous people already. Maybe it's time to hire some people. You, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to be your second choice again. I mean, I was like really bold of going like. That's a powerful place to come from. It was a powerful place. And I was like, oh, well, here's the deal. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm not going to come in here second fiddle again. I'm like, I'm not going to come in and do. The, I did all the work you needed to do. And he's like, well, there's a lot of famous people. I was like, yeah, you got all, you got all the names you need. I was yeah. like, now it's time. I was like, you know. Maybe maybe you guys said maybe and that's what I said to him. I said, Maybe this time I'm your first choice. Wow. And he goes, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then I walk out. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not there to please or be validated right. by them. I, I'm you know, I but that because I because I was so thrown the first time, this time around I was like, nah, nah, nah. And that's the thing with acting, it's like you're gonna there, there will be another opportunity. You know, unless you really, really blow it, there's going to be another one out there. And in LA, the volume of auditions that are happening, they don't always remember how that bad that last audition was. Right. But if it wasn't as good as it could have been, and you have another shot and get in front of them, yeah, Tim Phillips audition for your career, not the job. Right. There's yeah. a there's a half the time it's physical or political, so you, you're going to get bopped out because you're not you don't look like you look like the ex husband of the the writer. Forget it. Or, yeah. my, or my cousin's going to play the role because I want to put him on the show. Or we've been, or that person's come in eight times. We finally want to put him in some. It's like half that time you can you can you can write it off for physical political, but the other fifty percent that's in your court. That's your yeah. that's your your chance to come in and put your stamp on it. Say this is what I'm going to do, and I show people in my audition that I'm totally prepared. I'm open for whatever direction's happening. But I have a sense of I'm, but I'm not going to give it all to you. I have a sense of what I want to do. Yeah. So it's like that kind of gives you a lot of, you know, you're, you have a problem that I'm coming up with a solution because I've figured out all the, I've, I, I'm not coming in with more problems or questions. I have answers yeah. to, to all the things that are here. So when I'm coming in and you're got, you've got thousands of dollars and millions of dollars on the line, I'm like, you, I should be able to assure you in the audition that I'm going to handle this. And at the end of the day, that's when the chit chat comes in later which is I come in and I made my strong, bold choices. And if I don't make a strong, bold choice that makes sense for the material and not just out of my narcissistic head, you can't give me direction to go, oh, I saw what you did. Not so much that. But if you don't do that, then they question that you can go there. See, if you don't go there and you don't make that choice clear and specific, they think you are not able to do it or you don't understand it. But if you do make a clear and specific choice that's a wrong choice, at least they go, oh, I saw what you did. Not what we're looking for. I want to go this other way. And then you go, oh, well, now I can show you that I can take direction. But I had, you had to make that choice in order for them to have the confidence to know that you did, that you did, you do, you did your work. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the thing is, if, they, if you don't do your work, then they go, oh, thanks. Why, why give this guy any direction? If he didn't make that, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't breed any confidence. Yeah. So with these auditions, yeah. I pretty much give you 90% of what I'm going to do on set. The only difference is I'll be in a costume and I got to move around. You know, there'll be props. There'll be other things going on. But for the most part, I'm pretty much showing you what I'm going to do with this, my take on this, which may be wrong and not what you have in mind. But at least I'm putting my kind of stamp on it enough for you to go, you know, I saw what you did. That's not what I want. Let's, I want to see what you can do with what the guy, three guys did. (laughs) And then sometimes that is the case. And I, you know, I'm like, all right. If you want me to do it the way I know that guy did it, because I actually know that guy, and that's what that—that's all that guy does. <laughs> you know, I like him. You know, we we still audition against each other, but that's what that guy does. It's like if you yeah. want, then do that. You know, then take that guy. So it's yeah, like it's it's, yeah. it's weird to kind of be in that position of like you know you're, but you know they they want an actor to come in the room, and if you're auditioning for if you know that's you're auditioning for your career and not that job. Then you're then you're philosophically in the right mindset, which is that you know here's another chance to me for me to get in front of this person to kind of show them what I'm about, you know, what I can do, you know. 
Yeah, and the, you're echoing a lot of sentiments that we've kind of talked about on the show. Like, like we always talk about not calling them auditions, but calling them meetings. So right. we, because the idea is that we're bringing our ideas for the character Correct. to the table. And as creative entities, is this going to jive this time or not? Mm-hmm. And if not, then, you know, whatever. We move on to the next one. And yeah. There will be a time when, when it jives. So this is this has been awesome, James. We're out of, we're out of time. No worries. Um, but we have two questions we like to wrap up every interview with. Oh, here we go. And the first Swear one words. is... The first oh, one no, is not, not James Lipton. No. No, we're way, way better. Uh, Uh, Do you feel like this career path chose you or do you feel like you chose it? I think, uh, I think I chose it. I think I chose it and I didn't necessarily know at the time. I, I think I really banked on talent, like being the thing, not realizing that everybody's got some sort of talent. So I think it's like, but it's unfolded in a way that uh, I'm, I'm quite pleased with, but I think there were times where I just kind of like, shit, just not going the way I thought it would go. Yeah. And it takes, it takes, it takes trust in oneself to realize that, um, you know, it actually, over time, it actually does. If you had you, you thought, Oh, if I got that, if I got those Oliver Stone movies early on over Frank Whaley, you know, oh, my life would be so different. I was like, no, I'm doing actually better than Frank. You know what I mean? So at the time, you think that that's the thing you need. But what there's that whole song, you know, you, you, you get what you need. You know, you find sometimes, you, you know, you want something, but you get what you need. And what you end up, what I'm realizing is that the thing that's actually best for me did prevail. Mm-hmm. It's just at the time, it just didn't feel like that. Right. You know? Yeah. And so... You know, had had things kicked off earlier, had I, you know, Cusack and I became star, you know, or Piven. I mean, like, had it happened, you know, the way it, I don't know, you know. But I'm realizing that that it's it is unfolding the way that's actually best for me. Hmm. You know, that's I think I was so cool. I think I was pretty arrogant early on hmm. and thought that you know just because my I'm so immensely talented that that's just that will just do it all. And there's so much more to that. Mm-hmm. It's talent with craft because that's the thing that sticks you around. Yeah. Is if you're if you if you can back it, that talent up with great skills, that will sustain you. Otherwise, you just do that thing. You keep doing that same kind of movie. You do that same kind of role. I mean, I love Vince Vaughn, but I saw him in a movie early on. His if he just did that route, he, he'd be Daniel Day Lewis. But mm. he's Vince Vaughn, still doing funny romantic kind of comedies. Yeah. But had he gone that route, yeah. He'd be Oscar. And that's the thing. It's just it's a way, it, like you say, it fold, picks you or you pick it, but it, sometimes it unfolds the, you know. Yeah. I'll take his pocketbook any day, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Seriously. And your second question is? Yeah. Second question is, uh, if you could boil all of your experience in this business for all the years that you've been doing it, if you could boil all of your experience into down into one nugget of advice, um, what would that nugget be? Um. Two things define you. Your patience when you think or you ha- think or feel that you have nothing. And your attitude when you have everything. That's been uh, big. That's, that was 2013 was all about that, which was times where I felt I was really not patient with myself or the people around me. And I feel like, God, I'm not just getting anywhere, you know? And then all of a sudden the, the turn happens, the movies, you know, start to happen and they're coming out and they're like secession of stuff. It's like Treme and the American Horror Story, you know, like it's boom, it's like falling in. And my attitude is so grateful mm. <laughs> and humble, mm. you know what I mean? To be the guy early on, the Bobby where you're arrogant and you're just like, you know, I'm entitled, the world owes me, you know, to be like, oh my God, I'm so... Uh, honored that I get to do this. You know what I mean? Like I'm so appreciative of the journey that I've had. So that there was that quote and, and Dulé Hill put it up on, on Twitter and I put it up on Facebook and I was like, man, that quote, like that's been the thing I've been holding on to is your patience when you have nothing or you think, you know, cause, and I add that, that you think or feel because there's times you feel like you have nothing or you're not getting anywhere, you know? But then when you get somewhere, it's like, what do you do with it when things are going really, really good? You know, yeah. do you, you like, Oh, you know, I have a friend of mine who's, you know, he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm in this movie. 
That's the way it's... Yeah, everybody's figuring it out now. Hmm? Here I am. Right? Mm-hmm. Told you. And I was like, that's not it. That's not true... To me, that's not the true mark of what all the work was for. Was to go that you're entitled to it. That you were... That you were... You know, that you're vindicated in that way. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I'm so... You know, like... And I get, you know... I'm not invited to certain go. You know, I'm getting my punches of like, dude, you're just you're you got two scenes in a movie. Well, who cares? I'm like, who cares? Like, this is big. I'm in two. Like, it's big. So, but there's my attitude is uh, is is humble and graciousness and uh, appreciation and. Uh, but it's very interesting how I've watched people over the years that that's thing that's the thing that's done them in. Mm. Is that when things were going really, you know, the one girl in, oh, it's a perfect example. Uh, the movie where, every, where it was like a big thing where everybody's in the woods and uh, it was like, you know, it became like a cult cult thing. The, the Blair Witch Project. Right. The poor girl from Blair Witch Project. She gets the Blair Witch Project. It becomes huge. Independent thing. She, I think she yeah. got into the trades or something. I think she went down to backstage. She gets on Jay Leno. She's like, you know what? I knew this was always going to happen to me and things like that. And she goes, you know, I've told these agents they should have they should have signed me years ago. Shouldn't be. And she gets on, and it's all like just, you know, a vi- you know, piss and vinegar and bitter, and mm. she's gone. Yeah, gone. So it's like, it's very interesting how, you know, so just love and appreciate kind of where you're at, you know, it's a day to day thing. Everybody, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. All the sprinters wear out at a certain point. So if you really, really, really can't like not do anything else in this world and you have to do this, you know what I mean? Be patient because you're, you're, you're going to get where you need to go. If you really, truly really love and appreciate this, you know, the, for the process that it is. But if you're a sprinter and you're just making thing, and you just do this. There's lots of sprinters. They're all over town. They're mm-hmm. everywhere. So the marathoners are the ones. If you look at these Oscar contenders, these people, they're all 50, 60 year old. You know, they've been in the business like 30 years. Half their lives have been dedicated to it. Even some of the younger actors, like the Jennifer Lawrence's, Leo DiCaprio was doing commercials at six, seven years old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even he's got, he's a journeyman, you know? Yeah. And you meet these people and, and you, uh, well, I've met some of these people and I find that the, the thing that they all have in common is they're all the most gracious, humble, generous people. They're the yeah. first the person. The real, real good ones are. Yeah. And, the and real good ones. The, no the two cool. Toms and the, and the Steven, the two Stevens, I can tell you, yeah. they are. They, they're, they're like that. And they know that they're like... I can't believe I get to direct this movie. I yeah. mean, Spielberg is like, wow, this is so cool with all the stewardesses and the, and I'm like, who are you, dude? You're like, e-. but yeah. he's like, there's that still that excitement and that, uh, that, that appreciation. So if things are all going well, like, what are you doing with that? Like how, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, they had make a wish kids on the set of catch me if you can. And those kids were not going to live to the movie being released, but they use their fame and think, to allow those kids to have that experience. Yeah, so see, that's really, so here everything's going well for them. And, you know what I mean? To be able to, sh- to use your fame and thing that way, as opposed to a Kardashian wedding, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. you know what I mean? That's what it's about. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's hard to navigate through that. But I think that, you know, the, the two things to find you, your patience, when you think or perceive that you have nothing and your attitude, when you have everything, when it's going well, you know, and do you yeah. reinvest? You know, I because I felt I had nothing in two thousand seven eight, for sure. I felt like mm-hmm. I just did nothing, and so I reinvested. And then look, you know, thirty projects later, you know, it does it does pay off. Mm. You know, so if the good wanna, guys do win. Yeah, <laughs> if people want to find out more about you, yes. connect with you online, I'm, Twitter, I'm, you know, Facebook, I'm a, I'm all that stuff. I'm actually an open stuff. Facebook guy. I don't have a fan page, even okay. though I like I've been told I should have one. But I like Chicklis is he opens us up life too. I do the same thing. So I'm on Facebook, James okay. Dumont. Cool. Twitter is James K Dumont. Cool. Uh, I've have a friend who's been kind enough to build a website for me, but it just takes a long time to do it right. Okay. So I, I, I'm, that's in the process. But uh, JamesDumont.com is locked up, but there's no way to like reach me that way. So okay. Facebook and Twitter is good. And okay. it's good. Uh, just so you know, it's good to have mutual friends before you, you know, like that. Let's have a f- few mutual friends when you do that friend, friend request. It's right, like, right, right. Really, we don't have anybody in common at all. Like, let's find out who some of my friends are first and right. friend them and <laughs> butter me up a little bit but, you before know what I mean? like you, two or yeah. three. And you know, it depends on who they are. If there's some pretty, you know, I've had some, you know, one mutual friend, but if we have no one in common, I think it's odd for me to, Hey, let's be friends. Yeah. I don't know you at all. You know? Yeah. So yeah. th- th- that's my friend. 
And Twitter, I, you know, I, I love to have more Twitter followers. I just, I think it's a great way to kind of reach people and, mm-hmm. and quick and be quick and, you know, cause everybody's running around and, uh, I have Twitter follower goals. So I'd like to give more Twitter followers. So right. James K. Uh, Dumont. James K. And Dumont. I will I always answer questions if I have time. I'm always big on giving, I give lots and lots of advice to people for free because people helped me in that way. So it is a paying forward and I'm always open to, uh, you know, within reason, I'm not going to be recommending you to my agents at this particular point without knowing your work or seeing your work and not feeling it's really there. Right. But I, you know, ask advice. But, you know, the, my big ones are Tim Phillips for auditions and, and Larry Moss for both his, both those books and both those teachers are alive. So jump on them while they are. Yeah. You know, the great ones, the Win Handmans are still around, but the, you know, the Meisner's gone. The other, the other guys are here. So grab them while they're here. Yeah. You know, pay the price and. Put on a credit card and pay it later. Just do it because they're they're they have a lot to offer. Right on, awesome, cool. Well, cool, James, thank you so much for All taking good. the time to sit down and Love share it. your journey with us. I mean, Love this has it, been man. really really fascinating. Cool, and I can't wait to see what's ahead for you in 2014. It's going to have to be really good. <laughs> 2014 has a lot to answer for for sure. Right, right on. We shall see. Cool. Well, thank you again. Thanks again. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the part without James. To, to our living room. Yeah. To the living, well, we were here with James, too. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That is true. That is true. We were sitting in this exact spot. I'm yeah. You were sitting where he was. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome dude, man. Really generous of him to come over. I mean, we talked about kind of, we kind of gushed about him a little bit the last time, but yeah. <laughs> pretty great guy. Let's and, and gush some more. Always an honor to sit down with somebody. And what was so cool and what I think is really timely about this is I think he talked about this in the part two that we had published the previous episode. But he talked about seeing Michael Chiklis, you know, getting all these oh, recognition and awards for the Shield yeah. and stuff. And he was off doing like regional theater in Louisiana, and he was like, you know, Chiklis, this is awesome, congratulations. And Michael Chiklis was like, thanks, man. Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you know, I'm doing regional theater. And then now, however many years later, James Dumont's, you know, career has really taken off in terms of like publicity and and the kind of notoriety of the roles and the talent he's working with. And uh, and Michael Chiklis is doing his reps, you know. I'm not saying that Michael Chiklis is like not around, but you know, it's like it just it all comes and goes. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of transient. And I think that the lesson to take away is that like like you just said before we jumped into the interview, always be getting better. Just focus on doing mm-hmm. good work wherever you are, whomever you're working with, whatever the format is, whether it's regional theater or feature film with you know Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto. Hmm. Always be just working on getting better. Yeah. The other thing that he said about that Chickless conversation, you know, when he when he was back in L.A. was that Chickless was like looking through scripts and stuff, and James working all the time, like working, you know, doing these supporting roles in either film or television. So he's working. Con- he's he's sort of working all the time, whereas Chickless is looking through scripts. And yeah, what it yeah. was is. Michael Chiklis can't just do anything now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, because he's, he's done the shield, he's done the Emmys, he's done the golden globes. He's like, he's done that sort of caliber of work. He can't just go on to whatever he can't do like, you know, guest stars or whatever. So it, it was an interesting juxtaposition that way as well, because it was like, he's sort of shackled by his own fame and not in the like, you know, he's going to do drugs and kill himself way, but, but, uh, in, in the sort of career quote way, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, um, I just thought that was really interesting. It's a good point to bring up, Trev. It's kind of perfect because you're about to leave, you know, quote unquote, the entertainment capital of the world to go do, uh, something that maybe some people might look at and say, you know what, this isn't as good an opportunity as it would be for you to stick around. LA, mm-hmm. especially during this, you know, pilot season, which I don't even think really exists anymore, but, but you know, a time when, when they're going to be casting some new shows and some big roles. I mean, there's a plan and we don't always, I think, have to be able to see the whole picture, but if you're feeling in your gut that it's time to go do this and I yeah. think, I don't know, I, I think it's really awesome, man. And I think it's perfect timing with the podcast and everything. So, um, we're going to, um, forego a couple of our typical segments like the pick of the week, the patron of the week, um, obviously our voicemail and email segment. And we're going to kind of table that until next week when we have a little bit more time to chat 
and bring you the first part of uh, an interview with a very exciting guest, which is also going to be perfect timing because her show uh, premieres, I think, next week as well. Uh, it, it's actually the, the uh, third week of February, I think. So I think what will happen is we'll release her two episodes and then her show airs. And then her show airs. Yeah, okay, it's cool. Per- it's kind of perfect. So we yeah. can kind of help build the buzz a little bit. So <laughs> yes. uh, stay tuned for who that is and what that's all about for next week. Uh, and until then, you guys know where to find us on the web. You know how to support us. Um, if you don't, get started at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you um, and have your support and uh, have you tell your friends about us. And I think that about does it then for episode 131. Wow. Uh, yeah. For uh, our production team, Jen Levin and Cesar Gaminiel, I'm your co-host, Trevor Algott. And, uh, and I'm Hello. Where did this voice come from? <laughs> and I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, New York, New York, a hell of a town. The Bronx is up for the better again. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that, Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download.